Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's late, Friday night, and you know what that means. It's time for our tired episode. Ten minute read of a story that is sure to help you create the calm that you need and to help you push the week's trials and tribulations out of your head and help you to fall into a peaceful night's rest. This season, my background music to help you relax is music provided by Nature Healing Society. The California's Tale by Mark Twain is a story that I will read to you tonight. Thirty-five years ago, I was out prospecting, trampling all day long with pick and pan and horn and washing a hatful of dirt here and there, always expecting to make a rich strike and never doing it. It was a lovely reason, woodsy, balmy, delicious, and had once been populous long years before. But now the people have vanished, and the charming paradise was a solitude. They went away when the surface diggings gave out. In one place were a busy little city with banks and newspapers and fire companies and a mayor and an alderman had been was nothing but a wide expanse of emerald turf with not even the faintest sign that human life had ever been present there. This was down to a tuttle town in the country's neighborhood thereabouts along the dusty roads. One found at intervals the prettiest little college homes snug and cozy and so cobwebbed with veins snowed thick with roses that the doors and the windows were wholly hidden from sight, sign that these were deserted homes, forsaken years ago by defeat and disappointed families who could neither sell them nor give them away. Now and then, half an hour apart, one came across solitary log cabins of the earliest mining days, built by the first gold miners the predecessors of the cottage builders. In some few cases, these cabins were still occupied, and when this was so, you could depend upon it that the occupant was a very pioneer who had built the cabin. And you could depend on another thing, too, that he was there, because he had once had the opportunity to go to the state's rich and had not done it, and had rather lost his wealth and had then, 
in his humiliation, resolved to, to sever all communication with his home, his relatives, and his friends, and be there for them dead. Round about California in that day were scattered a host of these living dead men, pride-smitten poor fellows, grizzled and old at forty, whose secret thoughts were made only of regrets and longings, regrets for their wasted lives and longings to be out of the struggle and done with it all. It was a lonesome land, not a sound in all those peaceful expanses of grass and woods, but the drowsy hum of insects, no glimpse of man or beast, nothing to keep up your spirits and make you glad to be alive. And so, at last, in the early part of the afternoon, when I caught sight of a human creature, I felt a most grateful uplift. This person was a man about 45 years old, and he was standing at the gate of one of those cozy little rose-clad cottages of the sort that I already referred to. However, this one hadn't a deserted look. It had the look of being lived in and cared for and looked after, and so had its front yard, which was a garden of flowers abundant and gay and flourishing. I was invited in, of course, inquired to make myself at home. It was the custom of the country. It was delightful to be in such a place after weeks long of daily and nightly familiarity with miners' cabins, with all which that implies of dirt floor, never made beds, tin plates and cups, bacon and beans and black coffee, and nothing of ornament but wore pictures from the eastern illustrated papers that was tacked to the log walls. That was all hard and cheerless, materialistic desolation, but here was a nest which had aspects to rest the tired eye and refresh that something in one's nature which after long fasting recognizes when confronted by the belongings of art, howsoever cheap and modest they may be, that it has unconsciously been famishing and now has found nourishment. I could not have believed that a red carpet could feast me so, and so content me, or that there could be such solace to the soul in wallpaper and framed lithographs and bright colored tidies and lamp mats and Windsor chairs and varnished whatnots with seashells and books and china vases on them and the score of little unclassified tricks and touches that a woman's hand distributes about a home which one sees without knowing he sees them, yet would miss in a moment if they were taken away. The delight that was in my heart showed in my face, and the man saw it, and was pleased, saw it so plainly that he answered it as if it had been spoken. All her work, he said, 
she did it all herself, every bit, and he took the room in with a glance, with all full of affectionate worship. One of those soft Japanese fabrics with which women draped with careful negligence to the upper part of a picture frame was out of adjustment. He noticed it and rearranged it with a cautious pain, stepping back several times to gauge the effect before he got it to suit him, and then he gave it a light, finishing pat or two with his hand and said, She always does that. You can't tell just what she lacks, but it does lack something until you've done that, and you can see it yourself after it's done. But that is all, you know. You can't find out the law of it. It's like the finishing pats a mother gives the child's hair after she's got it combed and brushed, I reckon. I've seen her fix all these things so much that I can do them all just the way that she did, though I don't know the law of any of them. But she knows the law. She knows the why and the how. She knows them both. But I don't know the why. I only know the how. He took me into the bedroom so that I might wash my hands. Such a bedroom as I have not seen for years. White counterpane, white pillows, carpeted floor, papered walls, pictures, dressing table with mirror and pincushion, and dainty toilet things. And in the corner, a washstand with real china bowl and pitcher and with soap in a china dish and on a rack more than a dozen towels towels too clean and white for one out of practice to use them without some vague sense of profanation so my face spoke again and he answered with gratified words all her work she did it herself every bit nothing here that hasn't felt the touch of her hand now you would think but I mustn't talk so much. By this time, I was wiping my hands and glancing from detail to detail of the room's belongings, as one is apt to do when they are in a new place, where everything he sees is a comfort to his eyes and his spirit. And I became conscious, in one of those uncountable ways, you know, that there was something that the man wanted me to discover for myself. I knew it perfectly, and I knew he was trying to help me, so I tried hard to get on the right track, being eager to gratify him. I failed several times, as I could see out of the corner of my eye without being told, but at last, I knew I must be looking straight at the thing knew it from the pleasure issuing the invisible ways from him, and he broke into a happy laugh and rubbed his hands together and cried out, That's it. You found it. I knew you would. It's her picture. I went to the little black walnut bracket on the further wall, and that is where I saw a picture that contained the sweetest, girlish face and the most beautiful as it seemed to me that I had ever seen. The man drank the admiration from my face and was fully satisfied. 
19, her last birthday, he said, and that was the day we were married. When you see her, ah, just wait till you see her. Where is she? When will she be in? Oh, she's away now. She's gone to see her people. They live 40 or 50 miles from here. She's been gone two weeks today. When do you expect her back? This is Wednesday, and she'll be back on Saturday in the evening about 9 o'clock, likely. I felt a sense of disappointment. I'm sorry, because I'll be gone then, I said. Gone? No, why should you go? Don't go. She'll be disappointed. She would be disappointed, that beautiful creature. If she had said the words herself, they could hardly have blessed me more. I was feeling a deep, strong longing to see her, a longing so intense that it made me afraid, and I said to myself, I will go straight away from this place for my peace of mind's sake. You see, she likes to have people come and stop with us, people who know things and can talk, people like you. She delights in it, for she knows. Oh, she knows nearly everything herself and can talk like a bird. And the books she reads, why, you would be astonished. Don't go. It's only a little while, you know, and she'll be so disappointed. I heard the words but hardly noticed them. I was so deep in my thinkings and my struggles. He loved me, but I didn't know. Presently, he was back with the picture case in his hand, and he held it open before me and said, There now, tell her to her face that you could stay and see her. And so I decided I would. Toward twilight, a big miner from three miles away came, one of the grizzled, stranded pioneers, and gave us warm salutations, clothed in grave and sober speech. And then he said, I only dropped over to ask about the little madam and when she's coming home. Any news from her? Oh, yes, a letter. Would you like to hear it, Tom? Well, I think I would, if you don't mind, Henry. Henry got the letter out of his wallet and said that he would skip some of the private phrases if we were willing. And then he went on and read the bulk of it. And as the reader finished, he glanced at Tom, and he cried out, Oh, you're at it again. Take your hands away, and let me see your eyes. You always do that when you read a letter from her. I will write and tell her. Oh, no, you mustn't, Henry. I'm getting old, you know, and any little disappointment makes me want to cry. I thought she'd be here herself, and now you've only got a letter. Well, now what's put that in your head? I thought everybody knew that she wasn't coming until Saturday. Saturday? Why come to think of it, I did know it. I wonder what's the matter with me lately. Certainly, I knew it. Ain't we all getting ready for her? Well, I must be going now. I'll be on hand when she comes, old man. Late Friday night, another great veteran tramped his way over and said that he was looking for a good time on Saturday night. 
and asked if she might be too tired after her journey to be kept up. Tired? She tired? Oh, hear the man, Joe. You know she'd sit up six weeks to please any one of you. And when Joe heard that there was a letter, he asked to have it read, and the loving messages in it for him broke the old fellow all up. But he said he had such an old wreck that he would happen to him if only she mentioned his name. Lord, we miss her so, he said. Saturday afternoon, I found I was taking out my watch pretty often. Henry noticed it too, and said, You don't think she ought to be here soon, do you? I felt caught and a little embarrassed, but I laughed, and I said it was a habit of mine when I was in a state of expectancy but he didn't seem quite satisfied and from that time on he began to show uneasiness. Four times he walked me up the road to a point where he could see a long distance and there he would stand. Shading his eyes with his hand and looking and several times he said, I'm getting worried. I'm getting right down worried. I know she's not due till about nine o'clock and yet... Something seems to be trying to warn me that something's happened. You don't think anything has happened to you? I began to get pretty thoroughly ashamed of him for his childness, and at last, when he repeated that imploring question still another time, I lost my patience for a moment and spoke brutally to him. It seemed to shrivel him up and cow him, and he looked so wounded and so humbled after that that I detested myself for having done a cruel and unnecessary thing. And so I was glad when Charlie, another veteran, arrived to the edge of the evening and nestled up to Henry to hear the letter read. Anything happened to her? Henry, that's pure nonsense. There isn't anything going to happen to her. Just make your mind easy as to that. What did the letter say? She said she was well, didn't it? And she said she'd be here by nine o'clock, didn't it? Did you ever know her to fail on any of her words? Why, you know she never did. Well then, don't you fret. She'll be here, and that's absolutely certain. And as sure as you were born, come now, let's get to decorating. There is not much time left. Pretty soon, Tom and Joe arrived and then all hands set about adoring the house with flowers. Toward nine, the three miners said that as they brought their instruments, they might as well tune up, for the boys and girls would soon be arriving now, and hungry for a good, old-fashioned breakdown. A fiddle, a banjo, and a clarinet. These were the instruments. The trio took their places side by side, and began to play some rattling dance music and beat time with their big boots. It was getting very close to nine and Henry was standing in the door with his eyes directed up the road, his body swaying to the torture of his mental distress. He had been made to drink to his wife's health and safety several times and now Tom shouted, All hands stand by, one more drink and she's here. And Joe brought the glasses on the waiter and served the party. 
I reach for one of the two remaining glasses, but Joel growled under his breath. Drop that. Take the other. Which I did. Henry was served last, and he had hardly swallowed his drink when the clock began to strike. He listened until it finished, his face growing paler and paler. And then he said, Boys, I'm sick with fear. Help me. I want to lie down. They helped him to the sofa, and he began to nestle and drowse, but presently spoke like one talking in his sleep and said, Did I hear horses' feet? Have they come? One of the veterans answered close to his ear. It was Jimmy Parrish, come to say that the party got delayed, but they're right up the road a piece and coming along. Her horse is lame, but she'll be here in half an hour. Oh, I'm so thankful nothing has happened. He was asleep before the words were out of his mouth, and in a moment, those handy men had his clothes off and tucked him into bed. They closed the door and came back, and I said, Please don't go, gentlemen. She won't know me. I am a stranger. And then Joe said, She. Poor thing, she's dead nineteen years. dead that or worse she went to see her folks half a year after she was married and on her way back on a Saturday evening the Indians captured her within five miles of this place and she's never been heard of since and he lost his mind in consequence never has been sane an hour since but he only gets bad when that time of year comes around and then we begin to drop in here three days before she's due to encourage him up and to ask if he's heard from her and on Saturday we all come and fix up the house with flowers and get everything ready for a dance we've done it every year for 19 years the first Saturday there was 27 of us without counting the girls there's only three of us now and the girls are gone we drug him to sleep or he'd go wild and then he's all right for another year. Thinks she's with him to the last three or four days come around. And then he begins to look for her and gets out his poor letter. And we come and ask him to read it to us. Lord, she was a darling. Love is so strong that at times it's unbearable to be without the one you love. And so it was for this man and in his mind he recreated things as if she was still with him. I hope that you will always have your love by your side. And until next time, sleep well. Good night. <laughs>